0: Okay, okay, guys. File in, file in, file in. Put your Christmas jumpers in the box on the left and take a seat on the couch. Let's uh, see if we can sleep off this uh, turkey hangover, you guys. have. <laughs> hope you guys have had a fantastic Christmas. Welcome back. And um, today I'm bringing you a show that I've been really looking forward to doing. It's a show uh, I got to sit with um, Ali and Dez from um, Mysteries. Now, Mysteries, they are storytellers, they, stel- they tell age old stories without words or without text they tell them as the land lies and they they kind of adapt them for their audience all these stories and they are fantastic people and it, it, they what they do is they inspire people to create and that for me is i, I mean if you've been listening to the show for the last couple of weeks last, last few weeks should i say um you'll understand that I, I really do appreciate and admire creators and anybody that inspires people to go on and create to me as a hero um you know think of people like you know uh Shakespeare going back that far or uh, Dickens Tolkien uh J.K. Rowling even uh, you know these people there was a moment in their life when there was a spark that inspiration that that thing that happened to them that made them decide to go and write or create or paint you know and that's what Ali and Des do you know they they they, they help the youth they take the imagination of the youth and they nurture it and that's really important and they're fantastic people really friendly I really enjoyed one of the best interviews I've ever had um thank you very much for the to the um the Shrewsbury coffee house um, across from the train station there they they were brilliant and it was really cool to sit down there and and interview I was kind of a bit worried to start off with because we had uh, what looked like a large uh staff work do christmas do kind of sat downstairs it it kind of filled downstairs of uh of the the coffee house but it was really good actually add to like added like an an atmospheric feel to the the show which i really liked um like i said i hope you guys had a fantastic christmas um here's look here's to the to the new year 2019 that's when the Shrewsbury biscuit is really going to take off i'm going to be putting a lot more effort into our social media um our stories that we bring I'm going to be bringing people in to go out and help me find information and um, and speak on my behalf when I can't be there because I can't be doing these shows after work on a Wednesday morning all the time we need to try and, try and find new ways to do it but yeah here's to 2019 I uh, hope you have a great new year and enjoy the show thanks hey have you ever wondered what makes Shrewsbury such a great town I think about it all the time That's why I decided to create the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, a place where we can sit and talk to people from all walks of life, listen to stories about what makes this town such a great place to live. We are going to be talking to authors and historians, artists and musicians, entrepreneurs, and people that have got great stories to tell about this town. Welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to me. Um, I've been dying to speak to you. I think we first met at a meeting in Shrewsbury. I first saw you guys anyway. And you guys absolutely blew me away. You had so much charisma and so much so much about
1: you. No, yeah, it's my hair, not my charisma. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm, I'm
0: kind of... I'm, I'm balding but growing my hair for charity so I was kind of in awe of your hair I'm Grow your hair for charity now that's a
2: new one aren't yeah you?
0: I thought I, I stupidly thought I could grow my hair for a year look odd for a year to try and put myself in the place for someone that's going for chemotherapy or has alopecia yep. um, to try and raise money for charity so that's, that's what I'm doing now. I can't cut my hair now until July
2: but you're not allowed to hide it under a baseball
0: cap. No, I'm not. I kind of look like a hillbilly at the moment. I kind of like, you know, I look like I'm going to go and watch NASCAR. I mean, I'm losing my hair for charity.
1: Yeah, it's uh,
0: much the same thing, but completely different. Yeah, well, what the idea is in July, I'm going to um, shave it off, donate it. There's a there's a GoFundMe okay. page. I'll, I keep putting it on the shoes for biscuit. it guys. Um, uh, so like I've got, I've raised about 110 pounds so far. You know, so it's just whatever good I stop. make. You it's know, good it's make good sure stop. this is recording properly because I, I think it is. Yeah. I um I use this mic to go around on the light switch and interview people. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that you have to press the record button twice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know i did that once i was actually recording a story for our website by, by Fran O'Boyle, who's in shrewsbury and part of the Darwin festival yeah. you know? and uh, we sat down in the gypsy caravan in our museum and he went through this absolutely brilliant traveler story perfect for the museum did it brilliantly and then i looked at the mic and said oh my goodness i've forgotten to press that button twice you will to have to do it all again
0: <laughs> it's nothing worse i think out of the five interviews of the <laughs> Uh so anyway let's introduce you guys. So it's Alan Dez, and, Des, and um, I've been dying to speak to you for ages and you guys are from Mysteries, right? That's, That's the, the word. word um Explain to everybody what Mysteries is.
1: Well, like the conglomerate word says, it's about myths and stories. But yep. It's a museum. Yeah. And That starts to get a little bit strange to explain, doesn't it? Because stories are intangible (laughs) things. You can't collect them in the normal way because to collect a story, you need to be telling it. You need to give it life and breath. So what we do is we collect artefacts and objects which represent those stories and help tell those stories and keep them in an enclosed environment that we call (laughs) the Stories Museum of Myth and (laughs) Faith.
0: It sounds amazing. And where is that? That's up in Wem at the moment, at the Morgan Library. The Morgan Library. I really want to go. I thought it was in Telford. I was like, oh, God, oh it's in Telford. It's fine, but it's nice in Wem. No, you can't yeah. miss us.
1: we're across the road to the Dolly Tub and we have two gorgeous cherubs like like above the door yeah. reading books, which is not Perfect. what we do. <laughs> it's not what we do, at that, no. you know, because storytelling is an oral art. It is all about face to face, tongue to ear. Well, not quite. <laughs> 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 really,
2: really, You always say off the tongue and into the ear, don't you? Yeah.
0: So, the, the stories that you tell are they age-old stories or are they improvised? Are
3: they? Uh... Well, they're definitely
2: improvised, in as much as they are age-old traditional stories. But of course, you can't learn the words; you just learn the story, and then you have to tell it in the way that your audience actually want to hear it. Okay. So, you tell the same story differently to um, a group of adults than you would to a f- group of five year olds and you know you might you might saucy it up a bit for a group of old age pensionists because they yeah. don't mind the and <laughs> stuff.
1: Use more elaborate words. And yeah it's not just vocabulary though yeah. it's the content of the story I and definitely. the way you do it is you remember a story not by the words in the story that you're going to use but by pictures in your head almost storyboards in your head, and you've got a picture up there of the first scene, you can choose anything you like from that picture to tell the person in front of you about, and you choose things that you think they'll be interested in. And the joy of telling the story rather than reading it is you can see the audience, so if their eyes start to glaze over a bit when you're talking about that facet of the story, well you move to another one and you wait for them to be interested and engaged in what you're telling and then you build on that. Oh, fantastic.
2: The idea of course is to not recreate the scenes in your head, in their head but to put the scenes of the story into their heads. So you use all sorts of things, you know, you might reference the smells of the outdoor air, you might mention the taste of things or the feel of things okay. but you sort of use all the senses and you try and awaken that interest in them so that they get a complete picture and you, if you're telling this tale to 20 people by the end of the tale each twin of those 20 people will have a different idea of what that story was about they'll have a different vision of what a beautiful really princess good. was or a handsome prince was because but they're imagining be their, yeah, it? yeah it's their own imagination it's their, their, their
1: experience that comes to bear and, and
2: of course that's why stories change through the centuries because different people have different ideas like
0: Chinese whispers type F? yeah Oh, that's fantastic. so let me get this right you, you have have a synopsis for a story or a premise okay mm-hmm. so you remember kind of how it goes but the way you describe you get your way through that is you improvise the smells and the, the sounds and you,
3: you kind of move.
0: you put yourself in the position of the characters in the
1: story I try oh, right. and describe right. the feelings on the way in a way what you're doing is you're trying to get the audience to empathise with the characters in the stories. So you're appealing to the life experiences of your listeners and trying to relate them to the
0: characters. And that's a great quality to teach someone that's young. Um, that's when it gets really exciting oh, when you yeah. teach young people how to tell stories.
3: Because
1: I
0: mean, their imagination is still rife is
3: still, ripe, still yeah.
0: you know, and you need
1: to try and, and it's all about communication. Yeah. growing up is learning how to, com- to communicate that, yeah. effectively
3: and exactly
1: it's got all sorts of byproducts from that but really yeah, really does benefit yeah, exactly. That's,
3: uh, I thought, oh, well,
2: I that
1: part of your life yeah,
2: yeah it does we did a project with teenagers And, you know, it's a typical Heritage Lottery funded type project and at the end they want to know what skills people have learnt, so I thought, well, I'll ask the teenagers what skills they think they've learnt. And they filled the whole page with all sorts of things, from working together and being creative and leadership skills to standard artistic skills from when they were trying to draw their pictures and making notes and all sorts. It's incredible actually learning storytelling goes to an actual person. And the
1: guys who work with us all end up (laughs) in weird different places. So you know, it's not all about teaching someone to be a storyteller, and they'll end up as a storyteller on the stage. Some of them end up in zoology at the moment, don't they? We've got yeah,
2: there seems to be a very two
1: young zoologists. One <laughs> uh, to bring us around to Darwin. One evolutionary zoologist. Yeah. So you know, that's really good. On and we've
2: got some in politics and some in the law, as you might imagine, with people who know how to do their words. Yeah, and someone's yeah. Have to tell their lies. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I've someone's learning sign language, which is me thing yeah. as well because that's all about interpretation yeah
0: and that's, that's a really good point yeah mm. sign language so yeah it's fantastic i think i think do you, do you believe that maybe nurturing a, an imagination and keeping it alive um throughout a young child for as long as possible do you reckon it has benefits because i find that i've got a crazy imagination you know, I, I think about things or well, that's why i do things like it but it's also taught me a bit of confidence, and I, I improvise all the time with the podcast. So I work with two different podcasts, and none of this is scripted. You know, you kind of have to move yeah. your way through it. And I just think it's really important to kind of nurture that. And you guys, you see well, that. Your right? imagination's a playground,
1: and it's the place where you can go where it's safe and explore different ideas. Yeah. And these traditional stories offer a framework for that to happen. They're
0: fantastic, they're brilliant. Um, so where where do you guys go with this then what do you do as far as well last saturday
2: crazily enough we were up on howland hill
0: i saw that on your facebook yeah
2: yeah story walk at howland hill it was cold it was windy it was wet oh blowing
0: a
1: absolutely
2: but it was fabulous you know just to actually get some stories out that sort of relate to the the landscape in those respects (laughs)
0: because there's some great bits of homin of the, the tree that's turned over yeah oh, i yeah. bet you had a whale over of a time you know oh, yes we did we did yeah.
1: have a whale I mean, of the time joy that. is that when you're in a place like that half the story is being told by the environment yeah. yeah you just position yourself in the right place with the right things behind you and you don't have to contextualize everything with your audience they read it from where you are and what they can see
3: i
0: always remember when i was when, I, when my when my Kids were younger. I used to t- we used to go to the park, and I used to tell them this story about a gold giant. And what I used to do is I used to get the, you know the little coins you get at Christmas. So I used to I used to run ahead and I used to hide the the coins in the, the nooks and crannies of the trees and stuff like that. Right? Like, hey, you have to be really quiet and tiptoe they find all the coins otherwise the, the, the gold giant will come and get you and they get the last coin I'm like he's coming and we, we literally run all the way through the park because they were scared of the you know I, I love things like that the kids love it it, in the outdoors. it is great. great I
2: remember years and years back we were working with a group of a community group that wanted to learn how to tell stories do you remember Yeah. this was up in North Wales and uh, they had a little bit of a railway line running through them and part of the history of the line was talking about the poverty of the area and how the uh, women used to send their daughters and their sons out to actually pick up the bits of of, um, coal that had fallen off the trains as they they went past and the
1: train drivers and the firemen they used to know how poor everyone was so what they used to do is on purpose they used to kick off the footplate some of the coal and the coke so it fell next to the railway line so the kids could pick it up. That's so we'd spread some coal and coke along the side when we did the story walk, so they could pick it up. Much the same as your gold coins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's experiencing it in all of the senses rather than just one. And I mean, that's why outdoor stuff is so magical. Because you can feel the wind in your face. You can feel the rain. And who cares if it rains after all? Yeah. the atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, you can pick up things. Like you can pick up <laughs> the leaves or the those Matthews bits of coke or those print. bits of um, yeah, yeah. gold coin, you know, that
0: how many people do you get going to these events then? Is it varies. You know, yeah. if it's
2: a if it's a really 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 uh, difficult time, like in the middle of the summer holidays, yeah. you know, you might not think that's a difficult time, but it can be. Yeah, you, get, you, know, know,
3: you know, you might childhood. sort of
2: stand there, and there might be just one family turn up. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, then other occasions, I think the one we did at Montgomery Castle was probably yeah. the most we've had this year. We had about 40 people.
3: Oh wow! Um, you know,
2: which is just fabulous. We walked up the side of the castle and then sat down and had a had a shared picnic and told stories and in fact one of the audience stood up and told us a story
1: yeah in an outdoor environment that's about living too it is how big you can get I mean we have yeah. Done bigger audiences than that, but of course, the voice doesn't carry naturally that far, especially. Well, that's in what I was going to say. Like, you've got so like an, a, a
0: natural amphitheatre yeah. of people around you. You kind of relish the idea of having to raise your voice and get yeah. your voice across there. Does, does that help? Does it
1: encourage well, you to do that? Definitely. What you do is
0: you, you gauge which way the wind's blowing and you
1: move your voice in that direction yeah. so the wind carries your voice. Yeah, you position yourself right with the acoustics of so where you are. I mean up on the top of Easton Castle, the actual ruins of the castle make a sort of amphitheatre and you can deliver to, to a um, it was about 100 we were delivering to up there wasn't yeah, it? Yeah absolutely right. but it's
2: so much better just if you can use your voice without an amplifier or anything of that kind really. yeah. like,
0: you get all the nuances
2: of You do so, it definitely. sounds amazing.
0: How long have you if you don't mind me asking how long have you guys been doing this the mysteries how long has it been? Created? Actually I'm
2: really pleased you asked that because it's our 20th anniversary next February
0: that's amazing, <laughs> that's <laughs> <Incredible>.
2: fantastic <Yeah. laughs> 20 years of doing we, we started it off actually in in 1998 as a wow. website and then we decided to turn it into an actual museum.
1: And we found this wonderful location just off Hills Lane along Carf- Carnarvon Lane and it was above a pub called Lloyd's in the Town. Yeah. It was this great big
2: long, massive air.
1: expansive group of rooms and we thought this would be just right it was really wasn't it For oh, that's three fabulous. three seasons we were there before we moved on and uh, <laughs> so I then i suppose the we had to leave Shrewsbury at that time because well, the, the disability up, didn't they? There um, was the
2: disability problems because it was yeah. you know, had to go up, up a set of stairs to get there. There was all sorts of reasons. Yeah, the really. Disability
1: Discrimination Act came in and it meant that if we were to continue upstairs we'd have to try and install a lift. A lift and yeah. that was mega bucks. How dare all they? All <laughs> so we were lucky enough to move on to WEM, to the Morgan Library yeah. there with the help of the uh shropshire council
2: i so say they came to our rescue completely actually we were doing a training session for their librarians and they they heard that we were moving and one of them said well our library's just moving in uh, when we're moving into a new places why don't you see if you have the old building and the council said yes yeah, it was yeah a
1: week after that we were talking to the chief executive face to face and she said this seems just the
0: place for you
3: i have been the, to the uh, property
1: department and get signed on. Do you
0: work well with places at the library and do you work well with others? You know? yeah. Well,
2: we ran a storytelling club for young people at Wellington Library for seven years. We only stopped it in uh, uh, this uh, this September actually, yeah. very reluctantly, but we couldn't find anyone to fund it, which is a real shame. it's it,
1: involved a couple of projects we've Shropshire Archives, has, too, so definitely, yes. and in the past we've worked with Shrewsbury Libraries and a lot of other I bet you'd, of you'd of have countries. loads of
0: great things to use for your stories and the archives, you know, I can just imagine. A, <laughs>
2: one. ones in the archives are just fabulous.
0: I've been told to go, I, I did speak to a representative from the library about the biscuit and um, said uh, maybe we can get you in the archives and I was like, oh, don't do that to me you know so many amazing things you go going to oh, see miles, when you go down to the depths of the archives
1: there's all of these shelves running for miles and miles it's
3: incredible. I think you
2: know, the maps are fascinating aren't they you just look at the areas we I've never been
0: down there done, I can't imagine what it looks like you said it's miles and miles of things but I can ma- imagine that but to see it myself would be amazing, you know. We took
1: a group of traveller teenagers down there as one of the projects we were running, and their eyes were as big as soup bowls. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. it. was
0: like being in fairyland.
3: Treasure, yes. yeah.
0: I can imagine. Um, so what? How these events that you're doing, at, say at Wellington Library and things like that. Is that high in demand? Did it, was, were there people upset when you kind of stopped it? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah
2: they were very upset. But uh, it got to the stage where we couldn't carry on because um, we couldn't even find a trust that pay our travel expenses. I mean, you don't mind yeah. volunteering at things like that, especially when you're working with young people. And we have done it, haven't we? We've volunteered for a term or something like that yeah. if we can't find the funding. Yeah. But uh, but you you can't just constantly pay out on travel You've got to live as well. Time. You can't, you know. Times
1: is hard for yeah. charities. At the moment. Times <laughs> is hard for charities. <laughs> and you've got to
2: be realistic, but we do hope we will be able to start up again, and um, some of those children will be able to, you know, work with us later. And they do,
1: don't they? Yeah, we're hoping to start a Saturday morning club in Shrewsbury very soon. Can't announce anything on that yet, but uh, that'll Ooh. be for teenagers and on Saturday mornings well, learning how to tell stories.
0: I would love to attend a, a storytelling one time. Maybe bring the Tascam and you know get, capture it. You know, you know, see, what you, show people what you actually do because we can talk about it as much as you like on here, but to get to get it actually get it and show people. I've listened to the website's amazing by the way. Go to mysteries.com because there are some audio stories told on there. Oh yes, yeah, including
2: some told by uh, young people with videos of them I don't know if yeah. you managed to find those <laughs> um,
0: I did see that um, there was a young lad there's Jacob is Jacob Jacob uh, uh,
2: oh J- Jake's Jake has become a storyteller Jake. Jacob has become one of our trustees oh fantastic <laughs> you know it's just brilliant both
3: fine
0: young storytellers yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I was uh, I was perusing through the Facebook and I, uh, the Facebook, uh, I was for your Facebook, and I saw that he'd won um, the Young Welsh Storyteller. That's sometimes. it. That's yeah, Jacob. Yeah. That's uh,
2: yeah. he's one of our trustees, and he's currently um, in his third year at Bangor University. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's the evolutionary zoologist that we mentioned. Yeah. And,
3: Fantastic.
2: Um, and he's set up a storytelling society at university.
0: See what you've done is you've, you've captured the imagination of, of a young person, and you've and you've you've helped them grow in confidence and I, I guess like you projected them into the path that they're going in and that's amazing what you guys have done you know
2: but I tell you what they give back time and time again and you mentioned our website one of our former young storytellers met us about this time last year didn't she and she said your website is complete and utter rubbish so we said well come and show us how it should be done then and so she came over one day and gave up a whole day of her time and redid all the navigation and said this, this ought to link to that and that ought to link to that and poor old Des spent the six months of programming it and now that's it it's up yes i <laughs> that
0: on yeah, it yeah it looks great it looks fantastic
2: oh well that's uh, that's th- thank you thank very you, much Megan
0: <laughs> oh, thanks Megan you, you uh, helped me with my research search last night while I was in work um, so we, kids of today like we've got we've got social media um, there's a lot of a lot of kids that are, are um, making YouTube videos and vlogging and things like this um, and that's good right oh yeah yes? very good definitely yeah. anything that can get their ideas out there
1: help them express themselves, help them learn to communicate effectively, that's Mm -hmm. a good thing.
0: People say a lot of negative things about social media and how it rocks the brain and all that stuff, but I don't think Uh, so. I mean, you've got all these kids that are writing statuses on Facebook, they're writing, they're reading, you know, even though social media can be... No, I think it's a great thing. I'd like to
1: see them do more with their mouths and less with their thumbs. Yes, yes, So, you know, that's just the isolation of being somewhere [SS3] where... The audience isn't there with you. Yeah. And that, that can be isolating it, sometimes. It
2: is important to actually learn how to communicate with people. It's because a great communicating point, a great through point. social media is, is a different skill. Yeah. Both skills are going to be important to these young kids when they grow up. Yeah, because, you know,
0: as great as I am doing this podcast, I love doing podcasting. Um, sometimes with people, I can, I can have a day where I'm feeling a bit. You know, a bit down and, you know, not not 100%, you know. (laughs) So, like, I can get anxious in front of people. Yeah, I could stand in front of 200 people. I mean, I I do um, scare acting at the Darn. Oh,
3: fun. I'm playing
0: Bad Santa this year, which I'm really looking forward (laughs) to. Bad Santa is a role that was definitely designed for me. So make sure you guys check that out, 21st and 22nd. Um, (laughs) uh, But, yeah, so I can do that. But sometimes, you know, so maybe if you, I don't know, What about you guys? Do you feel that? Are you good with people?
1: We all all have a bad (laughs) day, you know, it's just (laughs) Just one of those things you have to take into account.
2: But I'm just going to pick you up on the bad Santa role thing. The thing about storytelling is that you're actually yourself when you're telling a story. You're not actually putting on a role. And so what it does teach young people is that they are important they can be respected um, but what they've got is good to share with other people they don't have to pretend to be what they aren't yeah. you know and it also teaches them to um, support each other
0: yeah I feel you that. know
2: and uh, everybody has vulnerabilities and that the important thing is to actually acknowledge them and to help support
1: them and help everyone else. Yeah the joy of these young storytelling (laughs) clubs we run is that all of the people there support each other and that's really, really important. Yes. Once someone's told a story to the group, the rest of the group will comment on it. But they're commenting on it in a very, very positive way. Mm. they maybe suggest a few things which could be better yeah. they never never really attack the person who's just told Sounds them because the they, yeah, they know it very well like, that
2: when they stand up they're actually sharing themselves and yourself is a pretty precious thing to you yes it's the most precious thing you've got really it is and yeah. and I, you want people to respect it
0: i quite like it when i when i'm doing acting because i've done so many great roles but i've been like the, the silly irish Um,
2: Or you can show aspects of your personality there, but you don't ever have to make yourself vulnerable. No. You know, in the same way that you do when you're standing up. Yeah, that's a great point. Storytelling is about
1: the storyteller as well as about the story. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nowhere to (laughs) hide. When you're a storyteller, you have to find material that you actually have invested in and have ideas about
0: and feel is part of you.
3: Yeah.
0: Otherwise, it just doesn't come across. Yes. So what have you guys got coming up then? Have you got any events planned? Ooh, we yeah. have
1: indeed. The Darwin Festival looms oh. next year. I mean we've got a few things before, though, yes, but that's why we're here. That's it's why just, we're here, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a Can lovely event, it. not for that, yes. which takes place on the 5th. Uh, is it 10th? No, 10th. Uh, oh, oh, yeah.
3: No, the 5th <laughs> is
2: the start of the Storytelling Club over in Montgomeryshire. It's Right. right okay. Okay. <laughs> also, do the 10th I can't first. see very
3: well. So. Look at this.
1: He's got the website up here so I can use it as a memoir, Uh, a memoir there. Sunday Sunday the 10th of February at (laughs) 4pm, we are at UCS, University Centre, Shrewsbury down at the Guildhall, and we'll be exploring the story of the region. It's called called In the Footsteps of Giants and the True Origins of the Reeking. I mean, everyone knows that story about the Reeking giant, don't they, and the cobbler he met at Wellington.
2: And that really is... That's uh, the starting Yeah,
1: it's the starting point. And, well, the story just doesn't hold up. I mean, I was reading Pete Toghill's Shropshire Geology the other day, and the first thing that struck me is, wow, you know, that story about the giant and the cobble just couldn't have been, could it? Because that would have had to be one really, really big spade. I mean, if you imagine the size of the Rekin Hill and that just being the blade of a spade. Yeah. Well, that spade would be about five kilometres long. Yeah. <laughs> And that means the giant. Well, the spade is sort of from your waist down to the ground, isn't it? You put your foot on it and you dig it into the ground like that. Yeah. So that giant would be around about ten kilometres tall at least. Yeah, hmm.
0: so you put a crater in the earth. He wouldn't just yeah. be. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, physically,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, in order to carry
2: it, he'd c- have to be. Yeah. He'd have
1: to be ten kilometres tall, and he'd be walking along with that great big spade of earth over his shoulder. Obviously he walked a long way by the time he got to Wellington because I mean, the breeding hills are a long way away. <laughs> even if you're ten metres, ten kilometers tall, that's a good few footsteps. And by the time he got there, even if he had seen a little cobbler by the side of the road, that cobbler would have looked absolutely
2: minuscule, smaller than an ant. Yeah. Well, and there's no way the cobbler could have talked to him, is there? No. they, they couldn't have, have had a conversation. cobbler's voice
1: wouldn't have carried. Yeah. And if the giant had said anything to the um, cobbler, well, his ears would have been just ripped out. But would never have worked bad bad again. So <laughs> I thought, well, it must be the other <laughs> story.
3: Must <laughs> <laughs> be the story
1: of two giants that's the correct one.
0: Mm.
1: And that's what oh, we're oh, going to explore here in a truly scientific fashion. I'll be showing pictures of how I know that story did actually happen and the proofs within it and there'll be an academic who'll be telling us how the story maybe could have been due to something else in geography or geology and I'm not quite sure what he'll be saying But
2: No, well, we're meeting up with him early in January so that we can get a feel for exactly what each of us is going to say So they're going to be giving
0: you earth science and you're going to be giving them two giants yeah. instead Exactly, exactly. Yeah. and it's,
2: it's four families and at the end of the session we're going to ask the families which one they prefer which they think is the most likely
1: I mean, way back in Darwin's time, Mm. he was going out and looking to see how the earth worked and how the things upon it were, men and women, the animals, etc. And there were other academics who were going out and discovering stories. They were collecting them at the same time as he was collecting zoological specimens. (laughs) The trouble is, the two things two collections don't really match up and don't marry when you actually examine them in detail. And we're going to try and come to some conclusion about how the two things really do intersect and interlock and make the real
3: truth. The
1: truth of how we tick as human
0: beings, especially how we tick as human beings in
3: Shropshire. This,
0: it, I, I'm smiling from ear to ear because I love things like this. I am totally, like, if you... People know me. They know I'm really passionate about creativity, and this for me is my. I'll definitely be there. I'm going to be there, and I'll give you. Yeah. Oh, yes.
2: Bring those children of yours. Yes, <laughs> I will. i have not I'm to you. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you can book it up through Eventbrite, I think, can't you? You can indeed. Yeah. There's even a little. Yeah. Click on the website.
1: Yeah. It see says event click on there and you can book tickets. I'm gonna do it. Well it is free, it is free. It's free charge, but we still do need you to book a ticket so <laughs> we hire the right size
0: room Well hopefully with the help of the Shrewsbury Biscuit. So yeah guys go on the website, um, go to mysteries.com, go click what's on at the top and then you'll see the the link there and if you pick the, the press the pink e- Eventbrite button there. It'll take you to the page, I guess. Um, this will fill up quickly because I think yeah, it's really, it's really fun. It's really fun. It's going to
2: be fun, definitely. We we've got the, we've got the right academic as well. Who's going? Who, uh, his first email to us was, "I guess I'm going to be the bad guy here," but he might not necessarily <laughs> no, no. be the bad guy. that's <laughs> not, not the way we to play it. To see. You know? Well, at least Darwin
0: tried. <laughs> <laughs> at least he tried. <laughs> you know, it's all about
2: respect storytelling.
0: So you know. It is. Yeah? yeah. So well, Darwin had his ideas. Oh, exactly. Well, you know. Shame he's wrong. <laughs> exactly. Well, I wouldn't say it was wrong.
1: He just interpreted things in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the plurality is it? right. You've got to have, have both sides, the human and the other. Uh, yeah, you've
2: got to have the imagination and the the practical, you know?
1: And the truth somewhere yeah. in between, maybe. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you can inspire one person from, who, say, the 100 people that turn up for that, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of people. That's a win, right? Just one person oh, out there a year? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so one
1: convert about. is worth more
0: than well you've converted me. I absolutely mean that's, converted me that's
2: why people exist really isn't it to inspire other people
0: well most people well, yes yeah, You know, some people just kind of want to get on with life but I don't, I want people to hear my voice and I want people to hear your voice too because mm. what you guys do I think is a fantastic thing You know, uh, taking young minds and, and encouraging them to go on and create and tell stories is, is an amazing thing, it's a great quality to have because I think confidence is key oh, yes. and to have the confidence to stand up in front of say five people, ten people, forty people you know I think is really this is great well, I'll
2: tell you a little bit of anecdotal evidence on that, just to support your theory. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, we were running this storytelling club over in Wim. It's one of the first ones we ran, yeah. actually. And one of the members for it went for a Saturday job <laughs> at uh, one of the one of the ships in Shrewsbury. Alright, then B&Q, let's advertise, at B&Q. Yeah, I and part of his, uh, his interview... There was five of the people who wanted the job sitting round there. They gave them each a strange object from the B&Q backpack stores, and stores, you know, and they said, sell this to a woman and a, and a child. And none of them knew what the stories were, or what the objects were, should I say. And he was the only one, he said, who actually stood up and was able to hook over a story as to what this object might be and why this woman and child needed it. And he got the job.
0: Fantastic
1: storytelling wins you employment, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, can we plug one other thing too? Oh, absolutely, yes. please plug away. Yeah. You know. Back to February again and back to UCS again. Uh, the uh, February 16th
2: uh, and 20th anniversary.
1: Yeah. Not quite a week later, mm-hmm. our 20th anniversary celebrations and also a memorial to the great Shropshire storyteller Richard Walker who died on the day we opened our last uh, so we're doing a pirate stuff. Richard wrote wrote a fantastic book, My First Book of Pirates, for Barefoot Books. So we thought, how better to celebrate our anniversary than doffing our cap to him, that book, and 20 years. Yeah. So we're doing a pirate day. Starts in the morning, with a chance to make a big pirate boat for the backdrop of the gig in the afternoon, and make yourself
3: an eye patch, a hat
1: maybe a jolly roger flag or all sorts of other things that pirates need
2: it sounds as if it's for children but actually it's for families yeah, so you yeah, are I'm allowed sold. to come along I'm and make sold. yourself an iPad as
1: well if you want yeah in yeah. fact it's got to be families It's got to be gotta families, families yep. working together and then they go off for lunch and they meet again out on Frankwell Key. and when they're lurking on Frankwell Key, waiting there suddenly two pirates appear Andy Harrick Smith and Jake Evans who's one of our former young storytellers who's now making himself a really good career as a professional <laughs> teller. And they appear in Pirate Guys and press-gang the audience and take them away, aha, <laughs> to the pirate ship and tell them stories for
2: the afternoon. Can't do can Both sessions are free.
0: I want... I'm, I'm going to... Both of you, see. Well, I'm going to be the one at the temp anyway. It's kind of... Uh, This is what I'm I'm here to do. Um, Mostly, in fact, I've booked two weeks off for the Darwin Festival, so I'll be there pretty much everything I can get to. Um, But I'll definitely be there, and I definitely wanna come to that on the 16th. And you guys should go too. I was going to say I always have these moments where my mind just goes they <laughs> call them senior moments but I shouldn't really
2: well, I don't know, I'm,
0: getting, I'm getting there I've just done a night shift I'm kind of on my last legs but, but
2: you've had two coffees this morning I've uh-huh. seen you no, yes I have <laughs> two coffees. that's
0: probably causing the, yeah. the moment yeah. Yeah. Um, so what other applications are there for this you've got the museum and um, the website um, what can you do with this I see that the um, the BBC have written a quote here is there, oh, yeah. is there any TV application? that you guys are working on at no, cool. work finished. Uh, an we've done a few TV appearances over
2: the
1: outside? years and oh
2: come on yeah. sing your praises yeah. you're on Japanese TV on Christmas Day
3: a massive
1: audience and guess how many Japanese people have crossed the threshold of Myth Stories since
3: yeah. I have
1: no idea um, I don't think I <laughs> <them>. oh really <laughs> no. so it didn't really work I mean, it they didn't did really did work all, as a publicity they thing did did they did get the on programs? planes well actually we have had a few Japanese people because we brought over a, a, a wonderful resident group from the Manga Museum in Osaka who do a Japanese form of storytelling called Kamishibai. They're called Spice Arthur 702. You get a chance and look for them on Google. There's a YouTube video somewhere of them doing Star Wars. Wow. wow. Kamishibai techniques, this sort of picture storytelling where you have pictures and you tell the story while the pictures are being displayed. It's really, really exciting and fantastic.
2: But they take it to extremes. They have several hundred pictures for each story and they accompany it with music and all sorts. It's really very, very interesting We've been
0: lucky enough to bring them over to this country twice now. So... Sounds great. I would. I, I, I want to come and tell you guys a story sometime. Oh please do. I would love to do that. Um, <laughs> speaking about the Japanese, uh, they have the. Have you seen those guys? great visual. They kind of turn their bodies into like pool tables and things like this. So they turn their heads we into balls. like pool balls and, and yeah. things like that. They they create like these great scenes where one guy's head will be the white cue ball and he'll run and hit the other balls and they'll they'll bounce around. It's amazing wow. visual. That
2: is incredible. It's
0: really good. They turn themselves into all sorts of. Like um, slot machines and things like that. That's really, really cool. Real contortionist side <laughs> stuff. That's why you're working together. Yeah. Cooperation. What about you guys? What's your inspiration? What, what made you want to do this originally?
2: I've always loved stories. And when I was in what would these days be called year seven, I had a maths teacher who came from. I don't know where part of the world he came from, actually. I honestly don't. Well, he's part Greek. He he was part Greek, but uh, it wasn't Greece he was telling us about. He used to tell us how he was brought up in a village in the middle of the jungle. Whether it was true or not, I have no idea, but I totally believed it when I was in Year 7. And if we all did our maths work, and there was a few minutes left at the end of the lesson, he'd tell us about when he was walking through the jungle and met a lion, or something like that. Oh, wow. You know? And it was incredible. And it was a real incentive for getting your maths work done on time. But It was just so interesting hearing him and hearing about something that was totally outside my experience as an 11-year-old at that time. And that stayed with me for life. You had an even earlier experience, didn't you? Yeah, I would have been about seven. And
1: I had a teacher at primary school called Mrs McSharry. And Mrs McSharry was an Anglo-Indian, but she was a Hindu. And she knew some absolutely fantastic stories, which totally captivated me. It wouldn't have been right to tell them in school at that time. So I had to stay behind and clean the brushes and wash the glue sticks and things like that. Yeah. And when I did, she'd tell me the stories and they've stayed with me ever since. And when, it, when I became a fine artist, I had to paint something, so I immediately went back to those stories and started to illustrate those, and that was the first set of paintings I worked on as a fine artist.
2: And when we moved up to Shropshire, we started to look at the actual Shropshire folklore and to find out what stories were native to this part of the world, because we'd moved up from, well, the Heart's Essex border, hadn't we? Yeah. You know, so we really knew very little about this part of the world. Uh, and very, so we looked at their folklore and it's such a rich yeah, scene of folklore, say, yes. it's incredible, yeah. you know? and we were absolutely blown over by what we found, it's beautiful. It's a great place,
0: aren't we, because <laughs> we're right by the border of Wales, There's going to be lots of, uh,
2: being on a border is very
0: important.
2: Yeah. yeah, because you've only, got, you've got the real life conflicts, the wars and things yeah, like yeah. that that happened, but you've also got the stories that were set up to actually protect the borders, Yeah. yeah. After all, you could put a whole army somewhere, but it's a darn sight easier to actually have a story about a devil and make sure that people don't go there because of that.
0: (laughs) Have you got favourites that you like to tell? You know, about the Welsh border, have you got anything like that? We've got all sorts of
1: favourites. There are so many stories in Shropshire, it's quite amazing. You know, if we go back to science and we draw a line around Shropshire, the size of that place has more stories than anywhere else that size anywhere else in the world. It is so
3: more yeah. ghost stories yeah. here
1: than there are anywhere the else in the world. Passing. More myths, well,
3: well, more legends, more funkies. Yeah, it's it's satirical. Fantastic. That
2: sounds really like good. Um, makes the how long are we going, going for? For what?
0: guys it's been amazing it talking to you guys it really has and I can't wait to see you guys again at the Darwin festival um, I'm really excited by it we can't wait great. to be there nope. yeah, so. maybe uh, after the festival um, or after your performance we can have a chat backstage you want to know how you how, how you guys found it you know how you enjoyed it um, oh you
2: can talk to our pirates as well they'll give you some oh, feedback yeah, absolutely <laughs>
0: yeah that sounds really good um do you want to plug anything else is there any else you want to plug any events you want to
2: oh well, we want to mention our post christmas story walk we have oh, a tradition yeah? is that it'll be the friday the 4th of january i That's believe it. absolutely And uh, we're meeting up at the National Trust Tea Room in Carding Mill Valley. Oh, I love that place. It's a fantastic place. It'll be a short
1: walk (laughs) along... Sometimes it has to be because of the weather. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes it's a short slide. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But uh, either way, we'll be going for a walk, we'll be telling a few stories, hearing a few stories, and then going back for a nice cup of hot chocolate in the tea rooms. So We're meeting at 12 great. o'clock. What
0: date was that again, sorry? That's
2: Friday the 4th of January. Friday 12 noon. Absolutely.
0: Guys, make sure you check that out. Um, I've got one more question to ask before we shoot, and um, I ask it every guest. Um, what does Shrewsbury mean to you? It means a hell of a lot to
1: us. Inspiration, really. Yeah.
2: We moved here and had a fantastic time. It, we moved here to bring it. up our son, mm. basically.
3: Uh, it wasn't, wasn't working for us down south. Too
1: pressurised and everything was money orientated. We wanted to come to somewhere that still had values. Yeah. And we chose Shrewsbury. Mm. Uh, we moved here in 1980. 1986. When I was born. There you go. (laughs) Our son was four at the time and
2: he grew into a fantastic
1: person. and
2: well we've got Shrewsbury to thank for that. And we've got Shrewsbury to thank for actually giving us the space to create the museum.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, just been
2: our life for the last twenty years. Just
0: helped to carve out your life, hasn't it? You know, really? it has. Yeah. And that's an inspiration to me because I'm not a Silopian at all. I kind of moved everywhere, so, and I moved here last August. And this is the reason why I do the show, mm-hmm. because I felt a great warmth and fell into love hard for the place, you know. So I wanted to try and capture it on a, on a podcast. That's what. That's why I do this. So hearing about you guys uh, moving here and creating a really great life for yourselves, that that. that Shrewsbury's really getting bigger and bigger all the time, but it's
1: not too big to have a real vibrant community, no. and that's what makes a place
0: fantastic. Well, guys, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on, and I hope to see you again at the Darwin Festival.
2: Definitely, and enjoy your time as Brad Santer.
0: Yeah, and, um, I relish it I can't <laughs> wait it's, it's a bit it's a bit rude and I can kind of let go a bit so that, that's always always a bit better oh, that's always really. what
2: you need to do just before Christmas isn't it yeah oh god yes
0: <laughs> guys thank you so much for listening uh, make sure you give this episode a like and a share and a subscribe and um, I'm off next week I'm having I'm having New Year's to myself no no recording over Christmas so, so um, thank you very much and uh, catch me soon thank you